Well, hi everyone. We are UK Motor Talk. We are on tour. Everyone say hello. 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 And we're on our way up to Millbrook. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day. We've been up since what, four in the morning, some of us. Um, so already at eight o'clock, we, uh, we are we're enjoying a bit of sunshine and chilling. And, and it'd be nice to have a nap right now. We'll just let the car drive itself for a bit, perhaps. <laughs> Actually, a bit of a, yeah, a bit of breakfast and a nap would be quite nice. And uh, we're roaring along in a, in a, in a Mackie, Mustang Mackie, so EV, obviously, so nice and quiet, just a bit of, just a bit of tyre noise. Otherwise, we're just wafting along quite pleasantly, and it's, it's nice. It's really nice. Uh, what are you guys angling for today to drive? Jim, go on. Uh, wouldn't mind to go in a Mackie GT, actually, uh, which is like this, just turned up to 11, and in general, adding more power to a car makes it better, or nine times out of 10 it does anyway. So it'd be nice to have a go in that. Uh, other than that, a Taycan ID4 and probably a Mini EV, I think. So pretty much just everything electric, which is for a, for a petrol head is an odd thing. But most of the exciting stuff is is electric these days, isn't it? All the new stuff is electric. So um, yeah, but particularly the Taycan. I, see, I, I've got a bit of a mix. I think I've, the the Taycan definitely is, is on the list, isn't it? But. The Alpine A110 GT, I'm, I'm interested in trying rather than the S. Interestingly, because I think the GT is probably the one that I would, well, I would buy with my own money. Mini EV definitely is uh, is on the list also. Graham, uh, yes, like you, Michael, the Mini EV uh, certainly is of interest. Um, I'm going to go for both ends of the uh, sort of EV spectrum, from the very smallest to. Um, uh, I'm going to be driving a DAF uh, uh, EV truck. 40-footer Arctic. A daft. A daft one. Um, and I'm quite looking forward to, to that, just as the two extremes. And then um, hopefully we're going to talk to one or two people about the state of the industry generally. And despite having a, a Land Rover bent, they're not there. We are unleashing Andrew as well today. Um, and, and what are you going for? I'll be trying to fill in where Land Rover have left a big gap, really. Uh, as with most years, uh, Millbrook has a really good off-road course to uh, go and test a few things on. So uh, there's some there's some nice big Sangyungs and a couple of Jeeps and bits which I'll uh, definitely try and get a bit muddy early on and then see what else is around. I mean, there's all these electric cars which need to be driven. Don't get stuck. I mean, the, the electric stuff is, is pretty good off-road, really, because, of course, there's no need to, uh, to sort of creep using an engine. A, a motor can run really slowly if you want it to. Um, so I think something EV off-road would be quite interesting if you get the opportunity. I'm very tempted to try the new RS3. Um, I've, I've not driven one actually with the um, the petrol particulate filtering it tends to make them a bit quiet so it'll be interesting to see if they've managed to find a way to counter that but there we go um, some interesting stuff certainly loads loads and loads of cars up there that we can try um, and well you'll be able to hear in a moment what we found we are here at the SMMT Test day 2022. We've just seen the briefing uh, and we know what's going to happen if, if things go wrong, where we're going to get waved in and shouted at. Yeah, there's the, uh, the, the lay-by where you get a, uh, a rollicking, but insert a different letter at the beginning of that word is appropriate. So there's a, there's a naughty lay-by that you can pull over into and no, that's something else. Uh, naughty yeah. lay-bys were something different, um, definitely when I was young. But anyway, we, we're here, we're getting distracted here because there's, there's just everyone, isn't there really? Lots of flags. Um, I, I got distracted on the way in by an electric bluebird. I'm going to go and have a look at that in a minute. 
I think we should. I think we should have a look at Alpine first because you're quite you're you're frothing to have a go in an Alpine. I, I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it looks like being a wonderful day. The mist is now lifting. It's warming up. We've got something I think like 140 cars, trucks, and motorcycles, if they are that way inclined, to uh, take a look at and drive if we so wish. Uh, so I think it's going to be a very interesting day. It's nice that we're invited here every year, the cream of British motoring journalists. That's just us. And that's just us, yes. Yeah. And, and so we should be. We've been doing this a long time. So uh, it's nice to be here and talk to old friends and uh, look at some new cars and try some new cars. It's like the mirror opposite of Goodwood Revival, isn't it? It is. That's looking at old cars and making new friends. Yes, that's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's do that. We're going to talk to you now about some, some new cars. I can see an Alpine. I am a happy man. I'm here in an Alpine, and I'm letting Jim drive first, so I don't get too giddy, to be completely honest. You're, uh, you're very kind. It's a one-way system here, so I better turn left. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, God, this is a pretty car. Seats are fantastic as well, aren't they? Very comfy. This has got a brown interior. I'm not sure what... Actually, I, I've got an idea why it might be brown. <laughs> <laughs> It might be brown in a minute. Well, you know, we've done lots of high-speed stuff together. I'm sure this will be uh, no different. He says, what I do notice, right, looking around quickly, whilst we're waiting to get onto some um, some quicker roads, Renault Megane. Uh, there is Renault Megane everywhere. Uh, there's the, the, the door releases, the, the switches, the stalks. Um, the, the audio stalk is the same one I had in my Mark II Phase One Clio, uh, which I used to, to knock with my knee. Um, yeah. Oh, sounds pretty good. This is a, uh, a 1.8 turbo, this thing. 0 to 60 is 4.2 seconds. It's about 63,000 pounds worth of car. And this we've is in- We've got pops and bangs. <laughs> we've got pops and we've got bangs. We've got pops and bangs. This is an Alpine Blue. It's a beautiful thing. Um, it doesn't weigh very much either. They're about 1,100 kilos, I think, memory serves. So yeah, I'm gonna put the windows up just so that you can hear us a bit better when we start going faster. So yeah, so this one's about 63,000 pounds by the time all said and done. These still can be had in GT trim for under 60,000 pounds. So that puts in, what, shooting territory, firing line of things like Porsche, obviously. There's an obvious um, comparison. BMWs, things like Z4s, too heavy, I would say. Well, not that, uh, not that you can buy them, I don't think, anymore, but cheaper than Elise's and Exige's, which I'd say there's a, a, a fairly similar sort of stripped-out two-seat feel about the thing. Yeah, definitely. We're, uh, we're chasing down a, a Mustang Mark 1. I need to hit a Mark E. Oh, and of course, being mid-engined, it's behind your head and it's fizzy. I don't know. I hope I hope you can hear the little pops and bangs and things that are coming out here. This sounds good for a four-cylinder. We're now just in third gear at 40 miles an hour and it still feels fun. It does. So we'll do the, uh, do the thumpy test. Yeah, do you know what? I think this it's is better. A bit thumpy again, but the, the damping is still good, so we're liking that. The damping is brilliant. It's better than the Mini. It's firm, but you can feel that this is a lot lighter car from the off. I really hope you can hear that. Oh. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. I'm just making some noises now. Excuse me while I leave a deposit on this thing. So I guess, sitting inside, what's it like? Well, it's, it's nicely trimmed. I was 
aforementioned Renault bits aside, forgive those. There's some carbon fibre going on in here. There's some nice blue stitching against the brown leather. It's got a focal stereo. Well, at least focal speakers. We assume it's got a focal stereo. Who knows? Who cares, frankly, when it sounds like this? Oh, this is good. It feels great from the passenger seat. I'd like a harness, actually, I have to say. Get the feeling that this could get spicy anytime now. <laughs> Listen to the noise. Starting to get warm now. The Mustang in front. Well, this is the overtaking zone. What do we think? Oh, no, it's not, is it? Mustang also indicating into the hairpin. Interesting. and a horsepower display just using less than five horsepower apparently just coasting coasting down there there's a horsepower display newton meters We're using less than 10 newton meters here we go using many horsepowers there so i've been chatting whilst jim's been concentrating care to give us some thoughts on how it drives jim uh, so far, loving this. Let's try the grip down this bit. Oh, lovely. Uh, very nice, just nice and communicative. It just puts a smile on your face. Inside this thing is, size-wise, it puts me in mind of a Lotus. I don't think that's unfair, really. No. Um, if you think sort of Exige, I suppose, rather than Elise, slightly larger, but trimmed in a, a far more user-friendly way. Uh, it's easy to get in and out of, for a start. Lotus is not necessarily quite so easy. Ceiling's low. There's not a lot of uh, headroom above me. I'm obviously very short, which is which is fine. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm comfortable with these things. You're obviously quite a bit taller than I am, but you seem to be quite comfortable as well. Yeah, I've got plenty of headroom. Put the seat all the way down, but that's generally where I have a seat anyway. I reckon this is the first new car I've been in for, for years that doesn't have cup holders. <laughs> of all the things, I can't see a cup holder. I don't think I really care either. We're going to go for the high-speed bowl. So lane four, we're allowed in maximum of a ton. Joining. Oh, I've gone much too fast in there. <laughs> straight, straight to lane four. There we go. It's quiet and uh, it's sixth gear. Well, we got another gear. Pull it again. Seventh gear. We got eight. Seven. No, only seven. Ninety-six miles an hour. Ninety-seven. But actually, if we take it out of sport mode, at ninety-eight miles an hour, actually, I think that's fairly quiet. It's only when you give it some beans that you get some noise out of it, don't you? It's not very dramatic, I have to say. But we'll put it back in sport mode because that's just better. Yes. Actually, I think for uh, for it being a Renault, I suppose, but the normal question marks you might have about French built quality, I don't think they're really there in here, are they? All the switch gear feels feels nice. It feels solid. The dash is nicely covered in leather. Everything just nice and clicky and tactile. It's very good. It is. Oh, 
There we are. So we've uh, we've just got back from our uh, couple of laps round in the Alpine A110 GT, and we're joined by somebody very nice and friendly who's let us have a go in this wonderful car. I'm Carly, and I'm here from Alpine today. I am part of the events and marketing team. Um, and it's just good to be back after a couple of years of not being able to see your lovely faces. <laughs> well, not uh, not our lovely faces, of course, but you're uh, you're too kind. So, just blown away by the 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 power and how lively and, and nimble the car felt. Um, but fairly light, isn't it? At uh, at eleven hundred kilos. I mean, how how do we get towards that sort of weight in a car? Because that's you know less than a Fiesta these days. Exactly. They've um, Alpine. We've really taken some time to to look at all the the things we can do. So, for example, the seats. Each of the seats, um, they're very thin compared to normal. Um, they're only about 12 kilograms each. Things like uh, the electronic parking brake, we've included that into the calipers um, and that takes away another two kilograms. So it's all clever things like that um, to really keep it as, as light and agile as possible. So each, uh, each department, each team just going round the car with a fine tooth comb, going round it again and again and again. Uh, but 12, 12 kilos for a seat, did you say? I mean, that's for, from picking out the seats out of our old Fiesta that were about enough to give you a hernia. That's 12 kilos for a seat is, is very light. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I've had heavier lunches than that, to be honest. I think this is the kind of car where, where what you choose to eat for breakfast will... will in some way impact the performance and I'd like to just apologise at this point we got lost on the route and just ended up out there far longer than we perhaps should have done as we went round what, what a thing thank you so so much thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you both Genesis G V 70 this is the SUV and I'm just being told that it's the best selling of the range the reason for wanting particularly to drive this is uh, I'm intrigued by anybody that can bring a new brand into the market and to see how they're doing. So uh, let us see what it's like. 54,000 did the man say? Uh, yes, mid, mid 50s I think for one of these. Okay, so we'll take it on the bowl and then on the hill. How about that? Okay. It's got pretty much everything you would expect of a car which is really aiming at a marketplace more expensive than its price tag. I mean, 55 grand is still quite significant for a car, I would say. It's uh, uh, certainly a, a fair chunk of change, but uh, at the same time, there's quite a lot of car for the money. I mean, it describes itself as 4x4, but it got quite a reaction just now when I suggested taking it on the off-road course. Yeah. Yes, they weren't too keen on that, but then uh, whether that's just about... I know I'm changing lanes. It is intentional. It's got all of the things on it that you would expect these days. Fast white car coming yeah, up behind us. <laughs> just about to be overtaken by one of the Alpines, and very pretty it is too. So you said Graham Genesis was a good one to start the day with. Uh, sitting quite happily doing the 70 miles an hour on the uh, bowl, it sort of. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to get a feel for how stable it was, and I, and I, I think this is the best place to to test for that. Let's uh, move up one. 
bring the speed up a little bit. We've got a, a hundred mile an hour speed limit on this, but you know, a car like this is is very much aimed at long distance driving. I think. You know, it's, would you would you buy this car at this money for? taking the kids to school yes I suppose some people would I think a lot of people would yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid probably that's true <laughs> um, but if it was intended as a luxury car capable of zipping across Europe in whatever manner you can these days um, can it do that could it sit happily on an auto route a route national or whatever at uh, at 100 and yes this could Let's try it on the hill course, different tests. Yeah, so Genesis are part of Hyundai. Does that show, do you think? Uh, does it show? No, I don't think it, it, it does in any way, shape or form. Not in uh, any negative way, anyway. No, no, not <laughs> in any, any bad way. I mean, uh, I think uh, Hyundai have a well-established presence in the marketplace, but uh, much further down it, it they're almost a sort of entry level uh, you know and they're a shopping car so certainly uh, back in the day yeah they're moving up through the marketplace fast, I mean, to, be, to be fair none of these brands are cheap anymore are they well so but but the, Hyundai if they feel the need to add a luxury brand on top yeah as as have others before them yeah and uh, successfully so But it seems to be uh, reasonably happy on these bits of road. I mean, yeah. corners, you don't seem to be struggling with it. Not at all. I found the steering, if anything, slightly heavy, but slightly heavy is good, I think, rather than the other way. Certainly slightly heavy rather than uh, slightly light, yeah. yeah. If you feel that it's connected to the wheels in some way, I think that's always a good thing. And a 2.2 diesel, well, I guess diesel still has a place in this market sector. Yes, I was quite surprised when he said that, though. That yes, so was I. A, a new, new car, but then were Hyundai into diesels? Have they got a great big warehouse full of them somewhere? It seems a little bit unusual. Yeah, it does seem a little bit unusual, and I, am, I was slightly surprised that also they're selling the diesels very well. I know I'm wondering. It's <laughs> intentional. Well, you're catching up with a Porsche, so that can't be a bad thing, can it? Admittedly, the Porsche is at the end of a queue of much slower cars, but, you know... <laughs> it will take off if it's provoked. So, sort of accelerates. I'd say that these, these days we're always going to be comparing acceleration with what electric cars can do, and obviously a 2.2 diesel yeah. isn't going to match it, is it? No, no, it certainly isn't. And what of the interior? Well, I think it uh, seems to have everything you would expect. It's very brown. Uh, or well, assuming this is brown and not a purpley, mauvey thing, it's probably one of these colours that changes depending on the weather. Uh, chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, that's a good chocolate. One. Yes, well, dark chocolate. They're about eighty percent cocoa. Uh, that's why you do what you do. <laughs> but it's got everything you would reasonably expect. Of it, if anything, like most cars these days, there are too many things. There are too many bright bits and push button bits. And a relatively sensible touch screen. Yes, yeah, a, a, a not over the top touch screen. The, 
the Mackie that we came up in was um, a little too large for my tastes, but there <laughs> we are. We uh, didn't waste any time at all, walked, uh, walked down the hill and stumbled across a mini EV. So we asked the very friendly girls at BMW if we could please borrow it and they said yes, there are the keys, help yourself. Uh, so I stood next to it, it's a mini EV, it's a shadow edition. Uh, I'm guessing because there's lots of black all over it, black paint, black wheels, uh, black roof, sunroof, very nice, pan roof. Uh, still got chrome though. Yeah, still great. I would kind of expect the uh, the shadow line as per other BMW product, but uh, but there we go. Uh, looking around, we've got some uh, Van Halen type graphics on the uh, on the front wing, uh, and similar sort of weird graphics on the bonnet. Still got the bonnet scoop, but it's fake. So, but it's, well, it it kind of looks like it a supercharger scoop, but it's not, is it? Well, it, it, it's not, but then that's the same for, for all of the, the Mini Cooper S's these days. And this is still an S, despite being an EV. I kind of, I don't know if we've said it before, but should this be a Mini E? I think it probably should be Mini E. It should just be a Mini That's it. M-I-N-E. Mini. But I'm, I'm really interested in this because on paper, the specs are pretty similar to my R53, the supercharged Cooper SD, uh, sort of the first of the BMW Mini, uh, BMW Minis. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how this is. So we're going to go for a little bit of a spin now uh, and, uh, and see what we've got. So uh, opening the doors, you may be able to hear. Inside, it's, it's very nice, pan roof, all leathered up. It's, it's a good looking thing, big digital cluster. Just running through some uh, some specs and headline prices on this one. Mini Shadow Edition, Midnight Black and Mini Yours Leather Lounge. So that's presumably all the leather interior. Uh, it's got a heated steering wheel and CarPlay and other lovely bits and pieces on it. Uh, total price on the road for this one does appear to be £34,970. So a £35,000 Mini. So it's, uh, it's only higher up on the price range, but... As, uh, as most EVs are these days, the, uh, you have to readjust your, your price expectations. But for 35 grand, we'll see how we get on. Into drive and away silently. Yeah, I guess like every EV, you just drift away, don't you? Well, first impressions, it's put it in drive and you've got two pedals to worry about. I like the uh, centre, well, not really a centre cluster, is it? But the, uh, the rounded edge tablet in front of you, that's quite a pretty looking thing. Anti-glare. They've got it set for regen already, which is which is great. We can we can certainly be happy with that. I think the the marshal there was surprised that I just suddenly decided to slow down as she wandered towards me. But how much uh, how much battery have we got? Uh, we're we're about ninety five percent, so we've got a bit. And what's the uh, what's the range? What have we got? Eight, 83 miles. Eighty three miles. So these are about one hundred and fifty miles um, on a full charge. Initial impressions then. So driving position is pretty nice. The steering wheel is uber chunky it's really thick typically bmw in that regard i quite i quite like a chunky rim though i must admit i, I do too I mean, it, it's nice to drive this thing it's you know, for the limited drive that we've done obviously in the time that you've been with us here it's comfy the ride's a little bit jiggly i'm not gonna lie but then this is a, a cooper s here we go then right so waiting to be flagged on there by a marshal who was just staring at us so we are absolutely pacing up the hill in this little Cooper S. It's it's surprisingly nippy. The pickup, as you'd expect, I guess, from anything uh, electric, is instant. Um, but the numbers, oh, fantastic. The, the radio's just randomly come on there, so we'll turn that down. Buttons on this thing, I thought they were going to be the awkward haptic type. Uh, they're not, they are actual proper buttons. However, 
I will say that your hands, because the wheel was so chunky, do hit them, which is why the radio just came on. Oh, was that you turning it on? It was it? me turning the radio on, yeah, turning the volume up. Handling on this thing is superb. The weight you can feel is low down. Um, but the drive, very good. Quite keen on this. Pickup, as I mentioned, is just pretty much instant. Here comes some fast stuff coming past me. He's braking hard as we go into a hairpin. <laughs> He's also indicating left, to turn left into the hairpin as well. Which, which is pretty interesting. I mean, body roll from the, uh, from the passenger side, not much body roll at all. And the, uh, the lumps and bumps and things, although they probably sounded uh, reasonably loud, didn't actually feel that much of it. It was more the noise than anything else, wasn't it? So it was quite yeah. well, uh, well damped. It's very well damped. I mean, the, the understeer you'd kind of expect from a Mini, if you're sort of pushing on, isn't there. The handling is, as you'd expect, pretty direct. And the car's really playful. It drives very well indeed. And as I say, I'm pausing here whilst I'm talking because the, the torque is more than you'd expect. As I say, the numbers suggest that really it's probably only got the same sort of power as an R53. But in truth, I mean, I'm just popping my foot flat to the floor here. And, oh, it really does pick up incredibly well, doesn't it? It only picks up well going downhill as well. You've got a double whammy there. You've got all the weight helping you go down the hill and the torque pulling you down the hill. But goes as, uh, as equally well uphill as we just pop over the brow of the hill and the camber completely falls away there. But no fuss, no drama. It hangs on quite nicely. Regen's braking's good. I would say the pedal is progressive, but you really need to push down hard if you want to get some serious bite. However, what a thing to drive. This is... This is very good. In terms of your expectations for a small family, I say family, you'd have to have a very small family, but certainly a, a small car as an EV, what, let's face it, the Mini is ultimately a competitor in many ways for cars size-wise, like, uh, like the Fiesta. Um, maybe not in the same sort of class, but certainly something like an Audi A1. Um, but the handling is just absolutely superb. It really drives like a little sports car. You could, you could certainly be getting yourself to some serious mischief here, speed-wise, without noticing quite how fast you're going. Good click from the indicators. What do, we, uh, what do we think of the infotainment in the middle? That's uh, obviously vastly different to yours, isn't it, by some stretch? Yeah, I mean, let's face it, what I, what I have in mind is uh, old-fashioned style twisty dials for the, uh, for the heater controls. This is, for a start, obviously has climate, but... You'd, as you'd imagine, Apple CarPlay, it's got a, a, it's a connected car like pretty much everything these days. But the screen, which is massive, has a widescreen screen, for want of a better way of putting it, inside. But it's, uh, an odd, it's an odd layout. It's a massive circle in the middle, like the, uh, the Speedo evolves. But the screen itself is actually, although it's got curved edges, it's flat top and bottom. And then they reserve the top and bottom space for a couple of physical buttons. But what I like in here is we still have physical dials and buttons for all the uh, the HVAC. Uh, and we have the, the BMW iDrive style controller at the bottom. So as you're driving along, you can touch something and just by feel, it's got a nice click to it, nicely weighted. So if you know you need to scroll through a menu, go up to the top, hit enter, scroll back down, find something else. You can do all that by feel without taking your eyes off the road, which is, uh, I think, so, so important these days. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I do quite like the, the iDrive um, rather than having a touchscreen because, as you say, you can just just feel what it is that you're meant to be doing. Um, it, it does make it that, that bit easier, particularly when the car is 
maybe a bit unfamiliar. Yep, so like any Mini, of course, it is that bit smaller. Interestingly, despite the size on the outside of this car, it doesn't feel much bigger inside than mine. Now, I don't know if that's just due to the fact that safety features and everything else have all impacted on the size of the car altogether, or whether it's just that now there's so much extra trim, um, you feel quite cosseted, cocooned, I think, inside this car. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad, a bad thing. I feel comfortable. I feel that the car's been wrapped around me. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I instantly feel like I'm uh, in the car rather than on the car. And actually, just from being sat in here for 30 seconds, I really quite like this. I think this is good. I'm, I'm actually already a little bit fond of this. It, it, is, it, is, it is good, isn't it? It is really good. And we're following an Alpine as well, so you're, yeah. uh, you're quite happy at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I am, because I mean, it's, it's unusual for me to talk about Millie's. Um, or Alpines. Or Alpines. Uh, and here we are with both of those things. Okay, a subtly different change of pace now. I am in the Jeep Compass, a uh, FEV, which uh, for anything like this is a bit of a surprise to me, but uh, yes, good to see. Uh, and it's a 1.3 turbo engine in it. So uh, for driving off-road, it sounds underpowered, but one presumes that uh, once the FEV bits kick in at any appropriate moment, uh, it'll do the job. I mean, obviously this uh, vehicle is gonna be more than capable. Uh, it's been a little while since Sasha and I took the uh, Panda 4x4 in one of its iterations around this course. But uh, I think as with all these things, the, uh, the roads aren't necessarily difficult, difficult, but are occasionally tricky, I think, if you have a look at it. And uh, the Mercedes Unimog going the other direction, which uh, I've also taken, I think we went, definitely remember going through the water, which uh, is on my right hand side now. Been through that a few times in uh, various very, very shiny and expensive Range Rovers and things. Because at the end of the day, that's what these things are meant to be for. I mean, if they tell you they're meant to be able to do it, they are meant to be doing it. But anyway, I am in just the ordinary drive mode. I have not had any issues yet. We're on a slightly steep bit of hill. And uh, going down a, a slightly different bit of hill. But what I will do at this point, because I've got a selection of different modes, which are rock, sand, mud, snow, auto and sport. Well, it's in auto at the moment. So let's put it into sand slash mud, just to put it into different mode. The engine note has changed a little bit. Ooh, it's very eager. I'm presuming it may be engaging effectively a low range, well, definitely a low range gearbox. The revs are right up now. Obviously they only expect you to do this when you're wanting to drive really slowly. So yeah, I don't really need it in that mode, do I? So I'll put it back to auto and see how long it takes to uh, object. So I guess this choice of rock, sand, mud and snow, I'm guessing. In fact, sport isn't really the uh, off-road mode of choice. Uh, it's got a four-wheel drive lock, so we are definitely using all four wheels. And we've got a four-wheel drive low button, 
as well as something else which I can't really immediately see what it is. Anyway, these are ups and downs. Nothing catching, nothing struggling. And uh, I feel like driving it through just a little bit of water there, just to prove a point. Yeah, there we go, that's more like it. <laughs> right, so I'm going to put it into four wheel drive low just to prove the point. Right, so I've had to stop, press a button, and then no clunking, no noise, no anything really. That's uh, perhaps unheard of in uh, changing from low to high ratio boxes. Literally unheard of in this case. And then hill descent control I've switched on. So hopefully that'll be a little bit happier now. It says it's unavailable, but that's fine. Obviously I went too fast again. Right, so. Now in sand and mud, I shall try and go up a hill. does. I don't know how that sounds from the outside, but it certainly isn't quiet. So if I go down this bit now, I shall get to the top of the hill, engage hill descent control. I don't think it says it's unavailable because I'm going too fast. So that's a bit weird. Right, but then to get up this last bit of hill. Well, I wouldn't say it's calming, but uh, it certainly does it. But we've added that uh, other one to it now. Uh, right, so this next one, right, in auto in low, in first gear, with hill descent on. But it keeps on switching itself off. I shall have words about that, because surely the whole point of the hill descent control is that it slows you down so that uh, it doesn't go too fast. Anyway, perhaps I'm missing the point. Yeah, as for the interior of this, it's got uh, leathery bits with red stitching. It's uh, all looks reasonably plush and well bolted together. It doesn't rattle. It uh, is uh, well, it's all presumably fairly well equipped. There's certainly a lot of buttons in it, and uh, can't really see that there's uh, much more that you could need. We are now in the Mustang Marquis -E GT. The Marquis -E GT. Marquis -E GT. Marquis. Uh, untamed. Might as well go one pedal. Untamed Plus. Oh, let's go for Untamed Plus. I don't know what that is, but I like it. Selected Drive Mode. Not available to maintain this. Well, he's been thrashing it. That's what's happened. Oh. So it's overheated. It's like someone has done something. Full disclosure here. We have just come out of a 
Mach-E extended range all-wheel drive, which is your car, which is one that we've driven up in your company car. Um, it's kind of the same, really. Amazingly, it doesn't have metal pedals. It's got rubber pedals, whereas yeah, yours has... pedals and the, what looks like the cheaper dashboard in so I'd prefer that to be the, uh, the Mac Carbon Fiber. Yeah, that's I weird. Like the, uh, I like the suede on the door skin, so yes. that's nice. The Alcantara or whatever it is, um, is quite nice. So it started to wear a bit above the glove box there, where I think people have just been touching it and, and doing what we've just done. Listen to this. There you go. Um, seats are, are comfy, not quite so tight and, uh, and supported perhaps as the Puma ST. Yeah, in the back, again, we've got the sort of Alcantara with the leather outsides and door cars, everything. It looks, it looks nice. Otherwise, it's pretty much business as usual in here, isn't it, really? Yep, you've still got, uh, oh, we've got some lumbar support as well. That's just suddenly appeared, so that's good. Um, um, yeah, fa fairly standard. I'm fairly used to this, so I'm fairly comfy in it already. Although I do feel like I sit ever so slightly higher than in mine. I do feel I really know. high, and I can't figure out if it's just the seating position. I'm going to drop mine all the way down. That, uh, that does seem to be a Ford thing, though, doesn't it? The uh, That was always a criticism of the ST and the... Um, and the RS models, wasn't it? The seat was just that little bit too high. Yeah. Now, I don't know maybe if part of that's because we've just come out of the Alpine. Good God, is it quick, though. Wow, does it punch this thing. That really that really is fast, isn't it? It, uh, it picks up nicely, yeah. Again, it's just that, the, that EV wave of torque that you get fairly used to, but it is just that little bit more with this, which is good. So we'll uh, go over the bumpity bumps. Fine. Again, you can you can hear them more than you can oh. Oh, actually maybe not towards the end once the uh, once the movement and the momentum builds up in it. Being thrown around, brakes feel good. Brakes are very good. Brakes are sharp. There is. Oh, it's heavy. <laughs> it is heavy by comparison. I am being thrown around all over the show up this twisty alpine route. Now. <laughs> This has around about 487 brake horsepower, but it has 680 newton meters of torque, which is obviously quite a lot. Naught to 62 is 3.7 seconds, but the in-gear acceleration, as you can probably hear, is mighty. I'm being pulled about all over the place, and that's just because of the torque, I think. This thing is very quick. Efficiency rating, A+. <laughs> <laughs> Emissions zero. Emissions zero. No tailpipe emissions out the back. I think this needs to be a new game. Just <laughs> trying to, to tell you the spec whilst Jim's rearranging my insides. No, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be saying things like that. Yeah, can we, uh, can we edit that bit out? Uh, maybe. Right, so the vehicle that we're driving, oh my goodness, is inside, but orange is a very distinctive colour. It's about 70 grand this car by the time all said and done. So it's not cheap, but you can take your entire family along and also make them go all mushy in bits that they shouldn't go mushy just due to being <laughs> slid around in the back of the car. Um, has the pan roof, I'd have that personally. I think it makes a big difference to how the inside of this car feels. And it's also great, as we found out, for watching planes flying overhead. Um, the little ones tend to like it. Range, 64%, 150 miles. I reckon that's pretty good considering the, the pace that this thing's been clearly doing all day as it's been pasted around here. Yes, it is, yeah. Oh, that's just a real change of compression and in altitude as we go up and down and through the twisties. There is some body roll. 
but otherwise I think considering the size of the thing and the fact it is an SUV I would say it's pretty composed certainly more composed than Suzuki whatever it is that's in front of us what is that an Ignis Vitara Vitara oh just trying to read the badge the brakes are very sharp. How's the regen? One pedal drive has switched itself off. Probably getting a bit warm in that. Actually, I think it probably is. Otherwise, now we're just cruising along, it's silent. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think it'll uh, let's pop it in uh, in whisper mode so the steering's slackened up ever so slightly. It's, I mean, the, the ride is on the, the firmer side, but I think that is an EV, that's an EV trait now these days that's just the way cars are uh, to control the sort of weight that this has got and give it the grip and composure that it's got it needs to be fairly stiffly sprung um, plus it's got 20 inch wheels fitted to this car I will say that if you want this kind of thing and you want this kind of performance it is a lot of money but actually is it ridiculous by comparison to what else you'd have to spend to get this kind of performance. Probably not. If I was buying a Mackie with my own money, this is the one I'd buy because, as you say, it's not that much more than you're in for already. Yeah. And if you're going to spend a few quid, you might as well spend a few quid more and get something you really want, mightn't you? If you're spending 60, 65, 67, 70, whatever this is now, isn't such a, isn't such a stretch. I mean, it's a lot of money. But in real terms, is it that much more? Nah. But like anything, the residuals and the monthly outlay accordingly, there's probably not a huge amount of difference between uh, the extended range all-wheel drive and this, is there? No. And we've still got 57% battery and we've still got 131 miles of range. And all things considered, I think that's bloody brilliant. Right, John, we're in the... What is it? The Iveco yeah. Daily, is it? Various um, pronunciations. Uh, Iveco, Iveco, um, Iveco is probably a good one to start with. Okay, Iveco um, it we're is. One forty horsepower. Yeah. Three nine five L van, so that gives you a sort of it's a, it's a medium sized van as such, with an automated gearbox. Yep. Electric handbrake, and the added extra of the um, Alexa system. Yeah. So which is actually generating. Yeah, as we speak now, plenty of uh, connectivity and uh, information on a central console. Okay. So you've got sat nav on there, radio, etc. Right, I'm going to start. So this is typical um, medium-sized van, I guess, a bit bigger than the the, the standard sort of. Yeah, van three, we've got. three and a half ton in, in total. So now we're on the miles straight, and it, what we'll do is we'll just progress through the gears. I want to demonstrate how how this system works with the gearbox. It's a a very quiet, comfortable cabin space. Now you can still talk comfortably as you progress. This is very very sophisticated, isn't it? In terms of uh, the the cabin, um, You've got, yeah, yeah, there's very I mean, little noise. Very little noise and almost seamless change. And this is helping the, the economy as well. You've got so you've got the reliability and the economy that blends very well with this vehicle. So there, we're just just going around the top of the loop. Um, again, sh showing a good handling characteristics. You know, uh, one of the uh, good things daily have always kept on. You know, with every. Oh, the steering's very good. Is that the steering?
steerability and also the turning ability of the vehicle. It's got a very, very tight turning circle. Right, you've got a few rumble strips down here, so you, you're going to pick that. Um, that will come through a little bit, but um, again, it's just showing that it deals with all sorts of road surfaces quite well. We should just mention there that the, the, the rumbling noise is the rumbling road, uh, because that's where we are. And, um, so it's not an effect of the recording and not an effect of the van. In fact, the van's actually dealing very well with it. I think it was a bit of Belgian parve from my memory. So we've just got a slight delay to the proceedings before we can hop in the Civic Type R as the previous incumbents wandered off with the keys. But there we go. So I was attracted to this because it's bright yellow and black, uh, and red actually. So you, you are a small insect today possibly, as the oh, front yeah. of the car is covered in many small insects. Most of them still alive actually. Yeah, you did have the keys. <laughs> I'll see you guys taking out now. Lovely, thanks Thank very you, much. Right, right, the keys have been returned so we can, uh, we can make way. Wow, the seats are The seats good. are very nice. Where's the radio? Someone has stolen the stereo. Is this a high performance edition? Where's the spec sheet please? We've taken it out because it's too heavy. Too heavy. Ow. Although the book pack... That's heavy. Feel the way to this. Right, I'm going to drop this on Mike's lap here. Move your arms. Listen to this. Oh! Straight in the... That is a heavy book pack. That is a heavy book pack. There's no, uh, no seat back pockets, just to uh, save a bit of weight. The seats are excellent. And we've got red seat belts. We like that. And weirdly enough here, we've got three pedals and a, a funny little lever with some numbers written on it, which is uh, unusual in this day and age. I'm going to ask if they've got a spec sheet. Can we get a spec sheet, please? I'm just looking in the, in the weighty tip. Oh no, there we go. I found it. Can I just say as well, that is the weightiest handbook <laughs> yeah. in the world. That, that's got to cost at least a tenth of a second, naught to 60, isn't it? That's, you can leave it here if you want. That's it. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll get, we'll get some more speed. There we go. Um, what? So what spec is this? Because obviously this has no stereo. No, this is um, the limited edition. So there's 25 coming to the UK. Oh, bloody hell. There's forged alloy wheels. You've got the Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2 tyres. So you haven't got a stereo, no air conditioning. And some of the sound deadening's been taken out. Fantastic. Oh, this, this, this is... Yeah, and then it also in the, in the yellow, Phoenix yellow. The seats are superb. Really comfortable and very supportive. And this is... Well, we're in, uh, we're in good... Uh, a nice place to be. This is chassis number 001 so quite nice so tell us tell us the name of this car please if you would well it's the civic type r limited edition fair enough yeah that's <laughs> it go. does what it says on the tin in fiery uh sunlight yellow pearl which is really bright cool right let's go and have yeah. a look and see what we'll do high speed bowl anyway right only Very odd. No air conditioning, no stereo. That's that is commitment to uh, to the cause, isn't it? But what modes have we got? We've got R plus. I think R plus is the answer, isn't it? Sport or comfort. It makes the sound of a '90s video game. Do you remember the ones where you used to have the just the two buttons and you'd be like a, a driving game? You had to dodge obstacles. That's it. That's the noise it makes. There's a lot of plastic in here. The door handles particularly are very plasticky. Ah, and a lot of it is quite scratchy, but that's not what this car's famous for, is it? Really, the so tyres are nice suede on the uh, on the armrest. That obviously goes with the uh, the edges of the seat. Now, no air conditioning, sound deadening removed. 
it's hot in here. It is a bit warm in here. <laughs> it is very hot fair. in I'm here. Not, I'm not quite sure. Much as I, uh, I admire the commitment to the cause, I'm, unless it was a convertible, I'm not sure I'd buy a car without air conditioning, if I'm being honest. I'm not sure I would in this day and age, because even the track car has air conditioning. What has happened here? Right then. Here we go. Oh, little blip on the downshift, that's on its own. No input from me. Here we go. It picks up very well. And here we are on the high speed. Well, there's a lovely little chuff as we change gear. It's well, a bit bouncy though. It is it's very bouncy. I, I feel like we are porpoising. I, I feel like Charles Leclerc or George Russell at the moment. It's a little bit bumpy. But I, I think my, um, if I was a little bit heavier, various other bits of my anatomy would be jiggling around now. If I had moves, I'd be worried because I think I'd, I would struggle to control them here at 100 miles an hour. I'm just hoping that, I mean, we've got the, the air set to low, but it really is just the air coming in from outside and not much of that is happening. So it is, it is very hot. I wish I could tell you some more about the handling, but to be honest, we're not allowed to because we can't take this on the Alpine route, which seems to be a massive shame maybe because this is one of 25 it is a special edition a yellow peril this thing it is fast it is i would say comfortable it's the seats are very comfortable very supportive I, oh miss the exit mix yes we're going round again here we are despite the fact it has nothing necessary there's there's no stereo in this now originally we thought this might be just due to some sort of chip shortage but turns out no uh this this is an intent so well actually to be fair with the chip shortage Having no stereo, no air conditioning and a manual gearbox, that probably does help, to be honest, doesn't it? They're only making 25 of them, so who cares? Actually, yeah, it doesn't particularly matter, does it? But what are the buttons on the steering wheel for? I think cruise control. And on the left-hand side? Uh, the menu. Ah, fair enough. Um, so it's just the menu in front of me on the screen, which I would tell you about, but unfortunately my eyeballs are currently rattling up and down in their sockets. It does feel very stable, that 100 miles an hour, but then I think most cars do. We're just about to lap another Ford Cougar on test, or possibly the same one that's doing a lot of miles. There's a new front end on it. Right, looking for the exit now. It is like the bit in the Italian job where they're going around on the roof. Exit. Is that it? Oh, here we go. Right, we'll start slowing down. Thank you, Honda. For us... Oh god, yes, windows are going down. It's a cool thing. We would like to try it on track. High-speed bowl doesn't really do it much justice, it has to be said. So here we are at the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders press day, and I'm talking to Mike Hawes, who's the chief exec of the SMMT, um, because I'm referring back to a conversation that you and I had a year or two ago, when the government first started talking about 2030 for all electric cars and the consensus view then, and you expressed the same view and so did I, was it was going to be very difficult. Given the amount of product that we're seeing here today and the improvements in that product, are you pleasantly surprised? Well, I think we always knew that the industry was, or in the, in, even then in the process of investing, the vehicles you see here, the electric vehicles you hear, they, that wasn't a decision taken one or two years ago. Yeah. That was taken potentially a decade ago for those development programs to flow through to result in that choice you see now. And that choice 
over the this year and next year and beyond is going to increase as the industry moves away from petrol and diesel, which they're not really investing in, into electrification. Which is great, so the choice is there for the customer, but in terms of achieving 2030, 2035, it's not just about putting the products on the market, it's about whether customers will be buying them. And that's not necessarily solely in the gift of the manufacturers. I mean, I think the last figure I saw was something in the order of five to six percent of EVs and, and uh, hybrids. No, in, in terms of new car sales last year, about one in six cars was plugged in, which means both electric, pure electric battery and plug-in, and about one in ten was pure electric. You can add on uh, hybrids on top of that. And so electrified vehicles, about a 20-22% market share, but pure electric, solely electric, about 10%, which is great. Um, that's a you know, good start, but we've got to get from 10% to 100% the majority of that in the next basically 10 years. That's going to be quite a task and I mean days like this are certainly going to help move things forward and hopefully uh, we're going to be able to say well you know they, they, these are very acceptable vehicles now. I think we've been very impressed with what we've driven so far. We set out uh, today to drive everything from the very smallest EV to the very largest. Hmm. So we've, we've been and uh, done and looked at the trucks already and the, the, just the range is quite quite amazing. Yeah, there's increased choice. It must be said the majority of electrified vehicles tend to be in the medium to larger segments, whether they're SUVs, family cars, saloons, or whatever, because you know the cost. And these are still a technology that is more expensive than conventional petrol and diesel. But the challenge for the industry is that you know we can't just sell that particular segment. We have to sell vehicles that appeal to everyone. And you know the biggest selling segment in the UK is traditionally you know, a, a B segment. If you think Fiestas and Corsas and something like that, Polos and, uh, and so forth. So it's you know what you do for those type of buyers. Getting that technology into all different price points in the market. It's really challenging when you think about the cost of batteries. Um, you know. The, making sure that that vehicle is going to be affordable so we can um, ensure that the entire new car market, the entire car buying, UK car buying public can move to these sort of technologies. That's really potentially where the biggest commercial challenge is. And, and still there is a problem I think with the infrastructure. It's still not there and it's not progressing fast enough. It's, it's not keeping pace. In terms of the rapid charges, those you see on the motorways and destinations, UK is pretty good. Um, it's one of the best in Europe for that. It's maybe not as good as some Japan, Korea and so forth. But in terms of Europe, it is one of the best. Where we see the biggest shortfall is on on-street charging. Now, always remember that about 40% 40, 40 of dwellings in the UK don't have a designated car parking space. People live in terrace houses, people live in flats, apartments. There may be parking, but it's not designated to a particular dwelling. So those people are going to be dependent on on-street charging. Uh, you know, because we're creatures of convenience. We like the idea of being able to charge at home. That's why the majority of electric cars being sold now are sold to people with driveways. Um, so what, what happens if you don't have a driveway? Because again, we can't just sell to those with driveway. If we're to meet the ambition, the expectation, what will be a legislated mandated target, we need everyone to be able to buy these vehicles and charging must keep pace with that take up. I mean, I've seen very few uh, on lamp post or on post or on street charging points and uh, some trailing cables which is not a particularly good idea um, but there just aren't enough of them. No it's you know we've done some research and you know because of 
new car sales of electric vehicles is going like that. Yes, the number of inv- and the investment in infrastructure is increasing, but it's you know, it's increasing like that. So there's a gap. So it mm. potentially could get worse before it gets better. What we want to see is basically commensurate targets put on the infrastructure industry to keep pace with the automotive industry, which is increasing choice and is demand you know, is being now demanded to increase sales of EVs on an annual basis. Interesting, you're also referring back to our conversation of a few years ago. Uh, I think when I first started driving EVs here, typical range was 30 or 40 miles. You could take the kids to school and if you're lucky, get home again. Now we're looking at hundreds of miles. In fact, the recent Mercedes, thousand kilometers. Yeah, the, I mean, when we look in the last 10 years, was when we started having EVs here. The average then was about 70 miles average. Now the average of what you see today is more like 270 mm-hmm. miles. It's increased dramatically. I mean, it, and, and that was one of the concerns a lot of consumers would have, was about this range anxiety. Will, will I be able to get where I want to go? That anxiety has been replaced instead of range charging anxiety. When I get to that place, Will there be somewhere for me to charge? Will it be working? How much will it cost? Will it provide sufficient charge for me to get back again? That's what we have to address to make sure there are no obstacles to the take-up of these sort of vehicles. And will it all be so attractive when there's a consensus view that the Chancellor will realise the losses that he's going to be making on fuel duties and that he will have to recover that through the electricity used? At some stage, government will have to will we know they're looking at it now but you know because you're right the fuel duty as you move away from petrol and diesel into electrification that is a, a declining revenue fuel duty and vehicle excise duty contributes about 35 billion pounds a year to the exchequer that's a massive amount of money and that's going to be declining we know at some stage that's got to be replaced um, but what you don't want to do is you know try and is do something that now that stifles the take-up of these vehicles when everyone is trying to ensure that these vehicles are bought in ever greater numbers because if you are to achieve the UK's net zero ambition you need to basically address the biggest emitting segment which is road transport you need to do it relatively quickly so basically road transport has to shoulder the biggest burden in delivering net zero so you need to use every lever at your disposal to encourage customers consumers to make the switch so do you have to bring back in as, as a government uh, a greater incentive to buying these vehicles and particularly uh, an incentive in respect of commercial vehicles? Yeah, we would like to see uh, an extension to incentives, but if I'm honest, I don't see it happening. It's still going to be there for vans uh, and, other, and, and some trucks because that's, that's a much more nascent uh, industry. But, you know, it's, I think it's quite clear that the constant cuts you've seen in the plug-in car grant, ultimately, you're at the stage now where only about one in five pure electric vehicles qualifies for that incentive. We know what the government's looking at and they've now launched a consultation is basically having a mandate, basically demanding a significant proportion of every brand's new car sales and new van sales are electric, which is basically looking seeking to control the market, which is a very difficult and dangerous game. If you look at you know, what's happened in, in all sorts of markets over the last two or three years, incredibly volatile, trying to forecast what's going to happen, and in such a way as you can still have a customer affordability, given this is new technology, it's a really difficult thing to do. Okay, well, let's broaden it out a little bit, the marketplace generally. As we're hearing more and more of people are going to be suffering through all kinds of financial constraints over the next 
6, 12, 18, 24 months, whatever. Are we seeing a decline in the market? Do you perceive such happening? I think it's early to say. We, at the moment, it's a supply-constrained market. The global shortage of semiconductors, um, you'll see the figures uh, that we're putting out at the moment. Production in the UK is down, production in Europe, down, production globally is down. The shortage of semiconductors is the biggest cause of that. If you can't make your vehicles, you can't sell them. So there is, again, in terms of new car sales, it's below where it should be. We know the demand is there and there's a degree of pent-up demand over the last two years. Now, as we move through this year and into yet next, cost of living increasing, inflation, fuel, energy costs in particular, undoubtedly that will put some strain on uh, customer demand. But what, how that sort of plays out when you've got a supply-constrained market, you're trying to see there's two things almost yeah, that balance sure. each other. So I don't think we, you know, we will see uh, any collapse in the market. On the contrary, we still expect the market uh, to begin to grow, but we need the easing of the supply of semiconductors. That make the biggest difference to the new car market. And that certainly looks like a longer-term problem. It's through, certainly through this year and into next. Um, you know, some recent statement says it could go on a bit longer, uh, but again, it depends on demand and supply, not just of vehicles, but semiconductors go into other types of technologies, personal electronics, televisions, and so forth. So it's really how respective markets do, because there's you know global demand for that particular product. So, Mike, one word response: hopeful or not? I think th this year, it's not going to be more than one word, I'm afraid, <laughs> we came into this year more optimistic than the last two. I mean, at least the pandemic has uh, largely subsided, not totally, but largely. Obviously, there's the Russia-Ukraine situation um, and the impact that is having on the global economy, which gives everyone pause for thought. Okay, another subtly different change of pace then, this time in a Peugeot estate, which uh, might not sound terribly exotic, but this one is the 508 PSE SW, presumably for station wagon, hybrid, 56 and a bit thousand pounds, and uh, yeah, I mean, first impressions, it's... Uh, it doesn't look like a Peugeot, I can sell that much. It looks, uh, from the outside at least, uh, sporty. It's got the uh, little highlight bits to emphasise the sportiness, or so they'd like you to think. Uh, inside, it's got this uh, funny little, quite small, and I do mean small, uh, dashboard with dials on it that are perhaps only a couple of inches on them and a big number of the speed you're doing. Yes, I mean there's another screen in the middle but it's not not got entertainment on it at the moment. It's got a big temperature which again is perhaps uh, more important to most people than anything else. And uh, yes, as for getting onto a motorway, it goes. I mean we're about to be overtaken by a white Alpine that's gone past I shall get back up into that uh, fourth lane that we're allowed to go to and uh, there we go that's that's your hundred miles an hour I've said several times over the last few weeks you know none of the vehicles here 
necessarily struggle with getting to 100 miles an hour. Well, this one certainly didn't, and it seemed to do it very quickly. I guess, again, it's the, the hybrid being used for bad and evil rather than good on this occasion. Quite a lot of wind noise I seem to be getting from my right-hand side here. Uh, as I now drop down out of that lane, because there's uh, a BMW behind me, and then we know what that means. Yeah, straight past. And, uh, yeah, it's a comfortable motorway travelling car, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? But, uh, you know, it does everything it needs to do. I mean, again, whether you want to spend your uh, 50 something thousand pounds on what seems to be sort of fairly focused, really. I don't know whether if you were buying a station wagon, which is still not a term that's particularly uh, useful over here, I don't think, but a station wagon, an estate, a tourer, whatever you want to call it. I mean, perhaps in days of old, Peugeot estate drivers would have been buying them to go to the tip. Well, you'll certainly be going to the tip very quickly if you're in this thing. And, uh, well, in a moment I'll uh, have a look at the boot, but it certainly appears to be of a sensible size. I wouldn't say outrageous for its class, but uh, again, another car that does the job. I'm looking at what looks like an MGB. Now, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. It's a lovely British racing green colour. It looks like there's a bit of gold pearl in there. I might be mistaken, but it's absolutely glinting in the sun. Yes, I'm Peter Swain, and it's an RBW Roadster based on an MG. Uh, we've been going just over five years now. The first four years were testing and road testing, going to Myra, putting real world miles on and building four cars to make sure that we end up with a safe, electric, classic silhouette vehicle. We launched last year, we've sold cars now, Europe, UK, North America, Japan, got even one going to Bermuda next month. It's the system which is the main DNA in our vehicle. So we take out an engineering gearbox and we do a 3D scan of that engine and gearbox and we put an empty box back in picking up the same engine and gearbox mounting points the strength of the car Wow! in that box we put Nissan cells from hyperdrive so it's all OEM approved mm -hmm. and that gives us our batteries at the front of the vehicle where the weight should be in the original vehicle at the rear of the car is a frame that holds an electric motor we've got that patented in UK, Europe and it's going through the US that frame holds the electric motor plus the, the suspension and the braking all built on the frame and that bolt sim is 16 bolts without having to touch the bodywork, without having to do anything. Wow. Okay. That means then... Completely standard body. Yes, standard body. So we end up with a modular system that this could be going to a Healy, could go in an MG, but we've spent most of our years working with great partners like Continental Engineering Services and Hyperdrive maturing the software so we have a safe platform to go forward with classic vehicles this is not a conversion and it's not a second-hand Tesla or this or that hmm. this has been fully tested many millions of pounds to end up with a system which allows us to sell these beautiful MG type vehicles it could be other vehicles I have a body shop so these we, we hand build the cars they're all hand formed and de-seamed we've got our own paint shop our own leather shop. People get to choose from 300 leathers. It's a bespoke, hand-built electric car 
to latest standards. And I must, uh, I must say, hats off to the uh, the guys and girls in the paint shop because that paint finish is stunning. It's flawless. Thank it's you. Well, beautiful. It's hand painted. It's old fashioned. So it's a very uh, eclectic mix of of old skills meets modern technology. Mm. You know, and, and to get that mix right, you mentioned the lights at the front. We fenched those in. We also do a retro car. You can see on our website, which has the chrome stripes down the side and the original front indicators. But our clients get a choice of how they want their cars built up. Our GT comes out in um, August, and we've got other cars coming through. We've got the first race car we've developed. Uh, that's got uh, racing uh, ABS on from Continental Engineering Services. We're going to be promoing that car over the next few months, but it will show you really what, a, what a, an electric car can do based on a classic rear-wheel drive. So we've given back people the feel of a driving car. I believe if you closed your eyes and drove many of the modern vehicles, you wouldn't know what you were driving. They're all flat floor battery, and there's not a lot of differential in how they drive. Mm. There's a huge differential in ours. You get that feel. I mean, from our, our day-to-day, we've had uh, everything from an Alpine A110 nice. to a Mackie GT. Yeah. And the one thing that stood out for the Alpine being a better car was the fact that it was light and it weighs, you know, less than half what the Mackie weighs. Uh, what sort of weight is uh, is this one here? Well, you'd be amazed. So we are 21 kilograms heavier than the original car. Because no. don't forget... Really? Don't forget we took out a cast B engine and gearbox. So this car comes in at a weight, well, that's the curb weight, but it comes in at a weight of 13.22 kilograms. That's crazy. So, and that's well, so you must drive it, guys. Yes, we because, must. Because when you get into the corners and do it, it drives like a proper car. I gave Continental Engineering Services a spec sheet five yeah. years ago. I wanted our cars to drive like a Mark One MX-5. That's the best car. That's a good benchmark. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the best car for going around the lanes. Yeah. We've achieved that with an electric yeah. car. We sincerely have. Now, what, uh, how, many, uh, how many kilowatt hours in the battery? 42 kilowatt hours in the battery. And gives a range of? 155. Real world. Because... That's decent. We take them yeah. around Myra, but there's, there's an option for a seventh battery in the boot. Yep. We've yeah. got a box in there, and that'll take you to nearly 200 miles. Now, th- this thing is it's basically a concourse build. It, it's, it is beautiful. So if you think concourse car, this is what I'm looking at here in front of me. Now, you're saying that, that everything here uses the original pickup points, basically. So Yeah, because you know the strength of that vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So, so this car, don't forget, had a V8 in it once, yeah. although the V8 was lighter than the one point, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. But you know how that car's going to be formed? You know the dynamics? Yeah, yeah. But there's plenty of space for batteries and down the tunnel. But that, that maintains that fantastic driver feel and yeah. feedback. We have electric power steering, which is hand-adjustable. So you've got right. a car, you adjust it yourself. So in the city, yeah, yeah. just drop it on. Turn it off when you're not in there, and uh, yeah, when you go around the lanes, make it firmer. But with that that lack of modification to the chassis, if you did want to put a V8 back in it, oh, so then you could. If we took a DB5 and fitted our system, which we could, you could maintain the value of that vehicle by putting it back in afterwards. See, that's that to me is is perfect. It gives me real heart that we see something like this. You see something as humble as the bluebird over yeah. there, and that you think, hang on, my year eight science teacher had one of those, yeah. but it's still going because that car's got, you know, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. But as you say, whether it's a DB or a Mark One or Mark Two Golf or anything like that, if this can go in it, it means the cars can can carry on. Well, there's a much bigger, much bigger argument to what, what I'm going to tell you now. So if you took a classic vehicle, say a Mustang, we've got a system that will fit a Mustang, mm-hmm. and we upcycled it to put our system in, okay? That is now an everyday driving car. Yeah. Upcycling that 60s Mustang is 4.9 tonnes of embedded CO2. 
This Porsche next to us here is about 13 and a half tonnes of embedded CO2 to be manufactured new. So in upcycling vehicles, we are doing a lot of giving the planet a lot of credit by not going and, and, and building lots too many new vehicles. We yeah, can't keep yeah. buying new cars. It's the only industry where you, where you buy something new that you don't actually need. But people often say, oh, I bought a new car to save emissions, save CO2, save fuel. But actually, they do forget the initial cost and actually Absolutely. it's far but it's quite nice to hear those figures on it because we always have the argument oh no it's better to keep an older car going but you never know by how much i've had but it done by a company called circular ecology we've been through all the build costs and um upcycling cars has a future because it's better for the environment mm. you can't keep building new cars okay you can recycle but you know there's a lot of good cars out there that we if we could upcycle them you're going to save half the embedded carbon as a new vehicle. Of course, it's not in the major manufacturers' um, DNA to tell you that because they don't want to sell you a new car every year, don't they? That's y- true. You know? the, aside from the CO2 uh, savings and things like that, when you look at this and when you look at 90% of brand new cars, this is just nicer, this is just prettier, this is just better, isn't it? I have a sign above my desk, which everyone loves, and it says, if you don't look back at your car after you've parked it, you are driving the, wrong, the car. wrong car. You're right. And, uh, and there's not many cars that I look back at and think, oh, yeah. I do like the Teslas, by the way. I think, I think they're good. You see a lot of them, but I think the design's fantastic. But the rest of all much of a muchness, aren't they? Mm. This is a, an absolute beauty. As I say, 71 plate, it's brand new. You've got the sort of the knockoff centres on this one, but obviously... Five stood for Golf Mark Hub. Yeah, yeah there you go. So still fit to uh, standard alloy wheels, but presumably... You're going to need that for the. We have the wheels made for us. They bespoke for for us for the for the because it's run on a, a Golf Mark Seven type hub. Okay. So you can't put your classic four-stud wheels on. So we have these made. We have a choice of three with different styles of wheels, and and the car is just built to exactly what no, the client wants. It, it is a thing of absolute beauty. The interior is is immaculately trimmed as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you've you've done a, a fantastic job here. This is. This is truly beautiful. It is a be- and it's, it's rare that you say it. It is, it is a, a beautiful car, and it's in the craftsmanship. It, it Even just, though it's outside and there's a little bit of a breeze at the moment, the smell that's coming out of the interior is... We, you can never quite convey that on a, uh, on a podcast when you're listening to it or watching it, but uh, the, the smell is absolutely delightful. Thank you very much. The gauges are interesting. So I'm just looking at the dash here now, and they look are they fully digital gauges? Yeah, now look, look at this. So, wow. So the, the ignition off, they switch completely off, it goes, goes dark, but you, you've got two, um, you've got twin gauges here and a, a centre stack in between the two. Um, and yeah, they, it just looks like classic gauges, they do a sweep and everything, that's very cool. Apple Airplay. Really? That's awesome. I think guys, we've done quite a good job. And you've I would, done an amazing I'd job. I'd also say to you, we are not there yet. A continual improvement is, is part of the key to, to success, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for showing it to us. We're going we're gonna to definitely take you up on the offer of, of having a drive in just a moment. No problem. Um, thank you I'm going to take a few pictures. Thank you so much. Peter, Great. appreciate that. Thank you very much. Trying to do about the Birmingham accent. <laughs> we are in the RBW M- MG, for want of a bit of a word. Oh, the RBW I am so race. happy. <laughs> this is oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> what a thing. This is a classic. But... Uh, well, all electric. It's silent. It's 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 weird, but it's brilliant. Some Jaguar switchgear, I think, in there. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. It smells oh, fantastic. On the right-hand side. See, this is so weird because it's all digital, but it's a proper, proper analog speedo. This is wonderful. 
It's great, isn't it? The, the, the windscreen is very low. The roof is down and Andrew, who's made us promise to have the, uh, the windows up and, uh, and the roof up. It's, I'm sorry, Andrew, it's not happened. So it's going to be wind noise. Uh, no, the, uh, the roof is definitely staying down in this. I'm glad I put a bit of sun cream on the dome this morning. <laughs> so it's the, the perfect kind of car to uh, just pop your arm up on the side. The top's down. It's a sunny day. This is, this is glorious, isn't it? This is absolutely wonderful. This is, I mean, cars like this are one of the reasons I love cars. You know, you need to drive cars like this because they're fun to drive. This is the sort of car you drive just to drive. You take it out on a Sunday, you know, you take the missus out for lunch in it, you just take it out for a drive and just drive and that's it. There's, let's face it, it's, it's a classic car. Um, so like anything that's from the 60s, 70s or beyond, um, you've got a beautiful view down the bonnet here. The wings as they sort of bulge up and then fall towards the headlamps. Lovely little chrome wipers. It's just, it, it's lovely. There's a bit of scuttle shake. The ride is, is comfy, I would say. I, I don't care, to be honest, about the scuttle shake. Tiny bit, but not, uh, not a lot at all. It's, the, the ride is... It's lovely. I'm, I'm going to go with Sublime. The ride is absolutely phenomenal. It's you, you get in a car like this and you expect it to be, you know, a bit jarring, a bit, a bit shaky, a bit rattly. This is absolutely wonderful. And the funny thing is you don't feel the need to absolutely hammer around a bend. This isn't like our trip in the GT, which was fast and furious. This now it's, it's a case of joining the dots going from point to point and letting everything hook up and connect and you you get the feeling if you're going down a b road that this the joy would be in just seeing each corner and just getting it just so on the road positioning the car and and just enjoying it for what it is and just letting it waft along a bit this is absolutely this just puts a smile on your face this is wonderful what a thing so that's the end of part one. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us as we've been testing some fantastic cars and trucks. And we'd be interested to know your thoughts. So if you have any comments, don't forget to tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever you want to do. Find us on Telegram. We are at UK Motor Talk pretty much everywhere. We'll see you next time for more. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.